Nick, how you doing? Uh, I'm all right. I'm fine. Oh, it's Just... hot, isn't it? It's so hot. Well, it was hot for two days. Uh, yeah. I liked it. I ran away. Controversially, it's it's really controversial now to say, oh, I didn't mind it, I liked it. You're immediately some kind of like BP hugging, oil drinking, you know. (laughs) Fat cat. Exactly. Yeah, no, I I know know what you mean. It's just like, you know, the the fact, you know, uh, I I ran away to a hotel in... um, uh, I was in the I was in Somerset for the weekend anyway, so I thought I'm just going to stay and work from a hotel in the in the nice air conditioned hotel for a couple of days. Oh no, so good for you. The heat. Good yeah. for you. Well, I am. Um, I lapped it up, and I was at work on the Monday, and I went to the beach two nights in a row. I just drove down to the beach once with Maria, once by myself. Just went for a swim in the sea, potted on the beach in the evening, from about sort of seven till it sort of got got dark. Nice. It was lovely. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, I guess I'm How? quite lucky because I live not too far from the coast and it was probably a bit cooler than it was for those London folk in yeah, that got bare up to 39. London. 39. 39. Well, I looked at a thermometer in the garden, which is in the sunshine, and it went up to 48. Yeah. It was almost at the top. The top is 50. Wow. Yeah. So. Um, that Well, I think, you know, everyone survived it. Um, but I agree, it's uh, it was... Um, it's. Uh, I, I was getting everyone in the lab to make sure that they write down in their lab books that it was the really hot couple of days. Because sometimes I find, you know, we used to do this when when I um when we were when we were in the states. I used to do it in my lab there, where if it was a particularly hot day, which obviously in California it normally, you know, it could certainly be, like you always get weird results in your lab books. So it was always, it was always a good idea just to write down like very hot day. That's a good so idea. I didn't even think things. of that. I didn't tell anyone about that. I mean, one of our buildings was like red. I went in it actually yesterday so that's the day after the um the heat and yeah. it was really i just walked in and a few minutes of sweating it was totally not a, you couldn't work in there it's like an old building but like right. there's all you know you've got all you like you say you've got all your reagents on the shelves mm. and they're all baking away at like 40 degrees <laughs> so, i mean it's not very it's not a very good science environment is it well, in fact, you know, you could say that's basically an inc- a bacterial incubator. Yeah, like, you know, like, it like is. you know, that's exactly how we grow bacteria, kind of thing. You just leave them on the bench, anyway. Yeah, um, yeah so it was pretty, pretty yep. warm. You're like this, Nick. Nick. So one of my colleagues, um, who shall remain nameless for the um, for the uh, purpose of this discussion, but he's a professor in the department, and I inherited his office. <laughs> Right. Uh, when I and so he's got, but he moves into the. We've got a new fancy building, and he's got like a nice fancy like chrome and glass walled office that's like really fancy and. And that's the one you've inherited. No, no, no. Oh, I'm he's very, moved, and you've got I, his shoddy, yeah. sloppy second. Exactly right. Oh, but no. just before he moved, he paid to have air conditioning installed in what was then his office, which I think no was quite way. expensive because you have to drill holes through like you know asbestos walls and things. Yeah. Anyway. I've got an air conditioned office now. It's great. Now, this co- the colleague has now moved into this fancy office, but it doesn't have air conditioning. So every oh, time we have yeah. like faculty meetings, I'm just like, oh, I'm doing absolutely brilliant. How are you? Is it warm over there? Is it warm? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a constant source of annoyance to him. An amusement to you. Absolutely. Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Combustion. Why do we need Petri, Oscar, Bay. Isaac, Newton, Transplanting. Bye-bye.
Steve's Korea. I went to Korea, didn't I? Do you remember? Ah, the Korean adventure. We spoke just before yeah. and just after, though, and you said you had some good nuggets for me. So you're um, saying well, um, a couple. I'm, I'm reporting back, Steve. Right. At, yeah. Our man in Korea passing over <laughs> from the studio. Yeah, I was like that guy in this, the, the um, Spooner video. Is it Spooner or Spiller? The DJ with Sophie Ellis-Baxter. <laughs> Spiller. Spiller, that's it. Spooner. <laughs> Spooner sounds like someone from Biker Grove. <laughs> Spiller. Yeah, no. Yeah. Imagine me, they're all, you know, um, Koreans and I'm a really tall white man. That's exactly mm. how it was. No, it wasn't like that at all because I'm not very tall. But I had a great was time. That... I was out of my... Was you said company. they looked after you. They treated you very, you know, um, with with high deference. Yeah, yeah, they did. It was really nice. They they all, um, you know, it was more luxurious trip than I'm used to. Let's put it like that. Right <laughs> after your Manchester trip, where you were moaning about that was the, the, one the, the quality of the accommodation came back down to earth. Yeah, yeah, I went to a conference in Manchester for those who didn't hear a previous podcast and then had to stay in some rather shoddy accommodation. But yes, Korea, it was all four-star hotels. One night even we stayed in the hotel where the Korean national football team were just before wow. they had a had a match. And uh, I can't remember who they were playing. It was like Peru or Chile or somewhere. Were they, were they in the bar drinking soji the didn't night before? Didn't see them. Didn't see them. Just saw oh, their bus. Oh, bloody professionals. Anyway, I was introduced by my friend and colleague, Seung, who introduced me to lots of different Korean food. So I ate a lot of Korean food like nice. and Korean beer, like rice beer and things like that, which was nice. And one night, and a lot of it was really nice, a lot of it's barbecues. So mm. I don't remember, Steve, we went to a Korean barbecue a couple of times we together, did. once in London and once in the US. In the US, you were wearing a T-shirt that said 98% chimp, and I had a Rush T-shirt on. We were in. It was like we were, a stereo. It was romantic, wasn't it? It was like we were from that TV program about the geeks, the comedy program. What's that one called in America? Oh, um, uh, yeah, know I know the one you mean. About. Yeah. <laughs> There's loads of people listening going, "Oh my god, I cannot believe uh, you can't remember that program." I hate, that I do you know what? I hate. I hate that program because it really does perpetuate this kind of idea of the science nerd, which I think is really unhelpful. Um, yeah, and it's kind of like hackneyed and kind of yeah, exactly. like just a big cliche, and it's just not yeah, funny, exactly. really. Sorry, folks. <laughs> anyway, and we can't remember. The Science Shed does not does not endorse that name of that <laughs> of that show. We can't remember. <laughs> we'll remember it. Big we'll rem- Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Korean food, lots of barbecue. So you get meat. Yeah. On a, they put a barbecue in the middle of the table. You cook your meat, you eat it with lots of lovely, delicious Korean side dishes of vegetables. Pickled sides, I'd imagine. Absolutely delicious. Oh, my God. Mm. I was in, I was lapping that a bit of a night. Anyway, one night we went to a traditional Korean seafood restaurant, mm-hmm. which was kind of like, you know, all of the young, cool people. It's exactly where they would you would not find those people. Right. They, were, well, they, don't, they, were, they don't like that seafood is not cool. I don't think the youngsters in Korea like eat a lot of traditional seafood. They're all right. in like the cool. B- this place was kind of about, I would say, about twenty percent full, and okay. it was like you imagine like a working man's club. Type. Oh, this sounds like a place you'd absolutely <laughs> love, Nick. <laughs> the beer was really cheap. Oh, there so you that, go. That, you got to tick that box. Anyway, I just wherever I went with any of them, I just said, "Yeah, just order us. St- I'll eat. You know, whatever. I'll just eat it. Mm. I love it." Anyway, they brought us this big seafood concoction, big pile of kind of spicy seafood with 
bean sprouts and other things in it. And I was mm-hmm. like, great, it's like kind of Korean paella. Lovely, I love no. paella. I'll, I'll lap this up, delicious. Anyway, I ate really it, hot. and I didn't know what was in it. And when I exa- on closer inspection, <laughs> after I put some on my plate, there were some things which looked like the, you know, the alien eggs in the first Alien film. So if you imagine these sort of pale, reddish, purple, veined sacks, elongated sacks on my plate, you know, it looked like, it looked revolting. Right. Anyway, I said, Sung, Sung, this is interesting. What's, what's yeah. this thing here? And he's like, oh, that is, um, it's uh, egg. Yeah, Pollock. So it was basically Pollock milk. I found out milk. Milt is the English word. Like, so it's like an egg sack. So you cut into it and all of this roe. Right. Like, sort of fishy, dry roe comes out. Yeah. Fine. So I ate that. I don't mind roe. The egg sack was a bit disconcerting because it literally looked like something from an autopsy. It was. It looked revolting. So I ate that. Delicious. The next thing. Yeah. Oh, what's this kind of like? Oh, it looks like kind of spaghetti or noodles or something. But it's just fine spaghetti. Oh, that's um. So that's um, pollock intestines. So it was okay. literally the intestine fish guts. Mm. So I was kind of that was really putting me off. I thought I don't think I can. I, I'm not sure I can eat that. And then I noticed my colleague just decided to have some. Another person that I was saying ate some. And started chewing away, so I thought I'm gonna have to do it now. So yeah. I ate it. Delicious, was actually. It? it was very nice. I guess it's like fish tripe. Have you ever had tripe? I've never had tripe. Have you not? It's really nice. No. I quite. I, I don't mind. I mean, I'm primed. I'm not a big fan of organ meat, if I'm honest. I'm from the like black country, bit... so we we eat I a lot know. of offal there. Like you know, black pudding, cheap. white pudding, you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, so I thought well, it's just so I ate it and I, I was fine with that. Anyway, the next thing I was taking, I thought I'm just, so I was just eating. I thought, that, you know, there's big lumps of fish in it, the occasional crab leg, something like that. Anyway, I ate this thing and I chewed it and it was chewy. And oh my God, the flavour was like, like. What did it, what did it taste of? It, taste, it tasted rancid. It tasted disgusting. It was like seawater with something foul in it, like urine. Anyway, so like, something's rotting in here. I chewed it as yeah. fast as I could and I swallowed it down. And there was another one on my plate, weird looking thing, very odd looking sort of, it was covered in sauce, so it was difficult to identify it. So I was like, Sim, what's this? And he was, oh, that's, um, that, he didn't know the word. So he gave me the Korean word, said, oh, I don't know, uh, something to do with pineapple. Anyway, I found out, he, he eventually consulted his phone and found out that it was sea squirt. Have you heard of a sea squirt? I don't know. Is, is, is it a mollusk of some kind? It is. Or a bivalve? It's some. It's a filter feeder, Steve. It's actually right. what's called um, a, a, an ascidian. Uh, I right. think it's a ascidian, yeah, ascidian or a, a tunicate. So it's like a kind of. Um, it's, it's an invertebrate type thing. It's got a. It's, it's a member of the chordata, the chordate family. So it's closely mm-hmm. related to the vertebrates. But it's kind of like it's basically a, a filter feeder, right? So like a I'm imagining like a sea cucumber. Is that the right thing to think about? I Something don't like think that. it's related to a sea cucumber. Yeah. yeah, but I think for the purpose for for like you know biologically, yeah, I'm just trying to understand like what it might look like. A blob looks like a blob. Okay, right. I'll I'll describe. So I, 
since since finding out what I ate, I decided to look into it a bit more and what yeah. the flavour was, what the hell this thing is that almost made me puke onto the table in Korea. And yeah, it's an Iskidian. So it's a primitive... Well, it's not primitive. It's an organism that lives in the sea. It's a member yeah. of the chordate family. So it's, a, it's related to the vertebrates, but it's not a vertebrate. And basically, it starts off as like a tadpole, like a very, very small tadpole, planktonic yeah. form. And then it will find a, 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 a substrate, something to stick on. And then it forms this kind of, you know, like a mussel or a, you know, like a, sh- a, sh- a shellfish. They'll attach to a rock or a coral, something like that. And then they start forming these kind of clusters. And it turns out they're a delicacy in um, Japan and Korea. So they've been described as... Uh, so this is a guy, a journalist... Delicacies described, are always horrible. No one ever describes a fillet steak as a delicacy, do they? Because it's just <laughs> nice. It's a word, For me, the word delicacy means going to be horrible. That's what that means. <laughs> anyway, I'll just, uh, just starting on, yeah. on what Wikipedia says, some journalists describe it as something that could only exist in a purely hallucinatory ecosystem. We'll post some pictures of it later on. Sort of like an orange, wow. strange orange thing. It's called a sea pineapple because it's got some, you know, it's got this sort of dimpled surface. It looks a bit pineapple. Right. And the taste is described as rubber dipped in ammonia. <laughs> Sounds that, delicious. And Sung, when I said to Sung, I've eaten it, I ate it. He said, oh, you, you eat the whole thing? And I was like, yeah, yeah, chewed it up. He said, no, you're supposed to like chew it and then spit out the, like, the shell. Oh. It's got this kind of tough... It's tunicate, like a tunic, right? And I've subsequently yeah. found out by, by reading that it's got this tough outer case and the filter feeder lives inside it and it brings in water and it takes, you know, like a filter feeder does. Yeah. It takes in planktonic things and that's how it survives. Anyway, this tunic, yeah. it's the only animal that produces cellulose. So the tunic Ooh, is kind of made... Cool, that's a cool piece of info. Yeah, so the so the, the 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 kind of tunic of it, tunicin, which is actually used. Some people use it as kind of a biomaterial. It's yeah. made of cellulose, uh, and this is how it survives. So I chomped down like it's probably like eating a banana a skin or something. Yeah. yeah, like like you know, rather than peeling a banana and eating. Yeah, like, like yeah, it's the, you at you at like um, sugar cane. You get the whole thing rather just than just squeezing out the it, nice stuff. Just yeah. chomped it down. Anyway, there's a huge industry of these things. I started reading about it. There's a big um, industry where they culture them, aquaculture, and mm-hmm. predominantly they're farmed in Japan. There's been a bit of a problem recently because of Fukushima. You know, they, they, they've been banned on exporting these filter feeders because of the radiation. But basically, they're harvested, so they put ropes out in the sea, dangle these ropes down from. You know, you've got these long horizontal ropes. They dangle vertical ones down. Um, and they attach actually oyster shells and things onto them. And then these um, sea squirts, these sea pineapples, start attaching to the uh, to the surface of them. And they farm them in that manner. And they, they farm tons every year. And a lot of oh, them... Oh, so like, like you would oysters or mussels or anything like that? Exactly like that. Yeah, exactly like that. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an incredibly big industry. And, and really, Korea is one of the main places. Japanese eat them kind of like as raw with, with sake and some... Um, like a dip, but in Korea they use them all in all kinds of things. You can get them canned, whatever. They're like a, a staple, and they are like I think they're kind of like an old man's delicacy. Do you know what I mean? Ah, so it would be like I don't know, jelly deals or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think something like that. Anyway, the flavour. So I thought, well, you know, what what's causing this flavour? And apparently, this rubber dipped in ammonia sounds delicious. <clears throat> apparently, it's an unsaturated alcohol called synthiol. 
So, for you, Steve, I looked up you the proper the chemical name. Yeah. So you can, of, of, of course, you, being a chemist, Steve, Hello. you'll be able to picture this molecule if I read I you will. the name in your head. Okay, it's 2E7Z-Deca27-Diene-1-Ol. Okay, yeah. Are so you pretending, lot, Steve? Or do you know yeah, no, no. Mean? So it's just a long chain alcohol with a with a with a an alcohol that's in the middle, an alcohol group in the middle somewhere, and a couple of couple of double bonds. Couple of double bonds, correct. The alcohol yeah. groups at one end, so it's not in the middle. Say it again. The alcohol groups at one end, not in the middle. But oh, yeah, okay. you're, you're you're pretty much spot on there. It's a linear sort of linear um, alcohol. Yeah. It's just a just lots of carbons joined together. Some mm. of them with a double bond, some of them with a single bond, and then just an OH group on the end, and that's what constitutes... There's probably out. a bit of that in diesel. Yeah, probably. It wouldn't anyway, surprise me. <clears throat> but then I started trying to find out a bit more about this molecule, this synthiaol. Yeah. There's nothing. It says in a few different publications that this flavour of these sea squirts is attributed to this alcohol. When you yeah. look into it, there is no publication that I can find. Where so how do they know? I don't know. It's one of those black holes. You know when right. you read it in this one thing and then it's And then not, everyone it's just references reference, themselves. It's yeah. just a circular thing. I cannot get to the bottom of it. So I spent probably a good a better part of 30 minutes this morning, which is a long time yeah. for me. That's longer than I spend reading a thesis, Steve. Anyway, <laughs> that's a joke, everybody. It's not, not true. Unless the thesis is, of course, in the search for Cynthia <laughs> Hall or whatever it was called. Well, the one thesis that I did find, so this was the problem. I thought, oh, I found a thesis here. This is amazing. I've got it. I finally tracked it down. So I found a thesis, hmm. um, which was called Marine Organisms from the Bioactivity and Chemical Ecology of Marine Organisms from Goa Waters. So I was like, oh, okay. right. Okay. They grow them in India as well. Goa. It's a thesis. Uh, and I looked at the thesis and I sort of went, oh, where is, where is this stuff about the sea? Couldn't find anything about sea squirts in it. Right. So then I Googled, I looked for synthiaol, couldn't find anything there. So I thought, well, why yeah. is it directed to me here? Then it turns out that the thesis is authored by someone called Cynthia O.L. <laughs> Gonsalves. <laughs> anyway, the sea squirt, fascinating marine organism, uh, fascinating lifestyle, interesting chemistry absolutely disgusting flavor hmm. nick whoa i you know you got locked out the other day oh yeah my you got locked out of, of my an inverted commas hotel room yeah I've got a locked out story that happened to me last week. Another one, Steve. <laughs> Another one. I mean, this is. I mean, I don't know which <laughs> pod it was when you locked yourself out of your own house. <laughs> oh no! Didn't you lock I yourself in again. a? You didn't you I lock locked yourself in a cupboard? In a, in a cupboard. I locked myself. I locked myself in a cupboard before. That was a good day, and I locked myself out of my own house <laughs> last week. <laughs> right. So, uh, picture this, right? It was a warm evening. It wasn't as warm as the super warm days we've had, but it was a warm evening. Yeah. Uh, so warm that I've got, I bought for the dog, I've got a little kind of um, air conditioning unit, right? right? You've got, um, a, you've got an air conditioning unit for the dog? Yeah, because the dog gets really hot. And but not... I can't be like... Okay, this is in a room, not one no, that sorry. he walks around uh, it, in. It works for me as well, but I bought it primarily to cool the dog down. <laughs> I was imagining right? it's not like, some it's kind not... of like suit <laughs> that the dog was wearing. 
<laughs> like a little cartoon, like all kind of kennel that's got like an air conditioning unit on the side. No, 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 no more no. something that's wearable. The dog oh, would okay. wear this some, some kind of... Like the Jetsons. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> right, no, no, no. So you've, so you've got, got an air-conditioned air house? Well, air-conditioned room. Right, Which room? Yeah. It's to the the top room in the in in the flat. So oh, yeah, I live yeah. on the on the second and third floors of a, a Victorian. You live above um, a laundrette, don't you, Steve? I do. Right. Anyway, yeah. that's quite it's important to the story, right? Yeah. So it's like you're um, in the sitcom Desmond's, basically. <laughs> it's a twenty-five-year-old reference there. <laughs> um, right. So it's hot. Uh, air conditioning's on. Dog gets to the end of the evening. Dog needs to go out for a wee. I was like, oh, I'll take the dog for a wee. So like, take the dog down the stairs. Um, normally when I go out, I like either, you know, obviously you take your keys and, just some, and I normally have my phone in my pocket, right? Yeah. But for some reason it was hot and I was like, you know, doing whatever. I hadn't really noticed. Walked out and walked out the front door um, and pulled the door closed behind me. Didn't have my, had the dog, um, uh, but I didn't have my phone or my keys, right? Just, a, you know, an oversight. Was, That's the way so you dog. roll. That's the way you roll. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Most people leave the house. Oh, pocket phone, pocket keys, pocket Maybe work pass, something like that. Yeah, but it was not like Steve. I was going to work. Just wanders no. out in his slacks. <laughs> oh, I'm, I've forgotten exactly. to put my trousers on. <laughs> well, I was, you know, I was wearing flip flops, just taking the dog out for, you know, just to go for the last wee of the night, right? You know, so we can go to bed. Anyway, I've locked myself out. I was like, oh, what an idiot. And I was like, well, but you know what I did? Normally, I might, you know, I might like, but I thought, oh, my, my girlfriend's upstairs. She's, she's in the room that's air conditioned. I'll just ring the bell, right? Yeah. So, I, so I ring the bell, bell. And our, 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 the bell on our flat's got a little light that comes on when you push the bell button. Oh, and right. I pushed it, and like you know, you know, you can normally feel resistance on a bell because there's, there's a little piston pushing back. Couldn't feel any resistance, Nick. It just was like I was just like squishing, squishing the button, and there was no oh, nothing pushing no, back, and the, the light bell. didn't come on. You've broken the so bell. The bell's broken. Oh no! And I'm sat down. outside. Right. I'm down. I'm two floors down. My girlfriend's in the top floor of the flat where the air conditioning's on, so which makes a noise, so she can't hear me shouting or anything like that. Yeah. So I'm just stuck. Well, on the outside. pebbles, grit, lob at window. <laughs> it's too high. Oh, come on, Steve. You're better than that. No. So I was like, what am I going to do? I just had a little, you know, so I was like, well, this isn't quite the panic that I had when I locked myself in the cupboard. Because, you know, I was like, well, eventually, you know, she'll probably look, get, you know, she'll figure out I've gone and she'll come and yeah, she'll come and let me in. But anyway, I was like, right, I know, I, I reckon I can fix this. So I went into the, there's a corner shop that just, just that's one one building over from where I live. I went in and spoke to the guy there. We've got a bit of a good report to the guy in the corner shop. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I was like, have you got a screwdriver? I was like, I'm going to try and fix the the uh, the doorbell right. and thus ring the doorbell and thus, you know, you be let in yes, and, and yes, the saviour of the evening. I can see the logic. So anyway, yeah. So anyway, I'm <laughs> So I'm sat there. It gives me this huge screwdriver. Nick. Right. It's about the size. It's like one you would use on like an oil rig. <laughs> like it's completely useless. It's like a comedy one that Harry Hill might have in his program. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, I'm so I'm there trying to disassemble this kind of like cheap plastic doorbell um, with this huge screwdriver, um, and I'm just like sat on the on the pavement on the floor outside my house. My dog's looking very confused because she doesn't know what's going on. Is it a Phillips to- head or a flathead? It was a flathead. Couldn't you um, just use another item? Like, uh, I don't know, the end of something? I don't know. Well, I, I didn't have anything because was just, it was just literally, I'll just pop out for two you minutes. go back in it's the like... shop and say, have you got any thin bits of metal? <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, right? Like, eventually I managed to figure it out, push the little button. It was like such joy on my face when I managed to kind of wedge the little plunger into the little receptor bit in the in the transmitter and the light came on and therefore oh, I really? knew the bell had rung. Right, right. And then I saw, and then, you know, and then anyway, I was letting in and it was fine. Oh, right, that's it. Great. So you got in. So well, you fixed the doorbell. <laughs> And you got in. I, well, I didn't. It was broken, but I managed to. I managed to hotwire the doorbell Great. to make it ring, wow. so it's I could like, get back in. This is like MacGyver. It it's really like is. Your isn't MacGyver. It? It's probably one of the most boring MacGyver plots that you can imagine. But it's still. But wait, there's more. Right. Oh, no. So then I started thinking. So I was like, okay, you know. So I, you know what I was doing there was sending a you know a, a transmission. You know, because it's a wireless doorbell, as I should add that. It's not like, um, it's not wired. Right. You know, uh, to, to a receiver. And then, I, so I got thinking, I was like, well, how, how, exa- how exactly do radio transmitters work? Like, you know, because, like, you know, obviously we know it's a very familiar technology. But I didn't really understand how, how you know, like how it works. I mean, I know people, you know, there's, you hear stories of uh, things like... Um, it's kind of foxglove radios of people in the Second World War, where they would use like um, a, a razor blade to um, to to kind of use that as to create a receiver to be able to hear radio transmissions. But I was like, well, how how do we transmit radio waves? You how know, did my little doorbell? You know, the, I've never, I've always thought I should understand radio because I love. Yeah. You know me, Steve. I'm a man who mm. likes old tech that works, and long wave radio, I like. Because it works and it doesn't use any power hardly at all. And I don't, you, no. you don't know, understand how it works. And you know, you can buy these little kits, you yeah. build your own transistor radio. I've never done it, and I feel like I what's should. really cool that those don't, if you, if you use like an earplug, like a little earphone, they don't require any power. It's they, incredible, they, isn't they, it? they, they use the radio energy yeah. to, pow, the, to power we the, never, the. We should never, Steve, I'm a bit like, I've, I'm always worried that long wave's gonna go, and like, I like it because. <laughs> Oh my like, god! There's, there's something quite nostalgic about the little crackle. You can get there? it anywhere, and like the cricket, you can be anywhere and hear your digital radio. It's either there or it's not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's either there or it's not. It's yeah. totally crap. It pisses me off, Steve. It really <laughs> angers me. So you would rather the quality of the radio drop, but you can still hear. I it. I don't need quality to yeah. hear the cricket. I just need to hear a fun, a funny man saying funny things, or a funny woman saying funny things about. Yeah. The cricket players. So anyway, so I, I looked into it. And it's really interesting, right? The, like how how radio transmitters work, right? So fundamentally, so radio waves are just electromagnetic waves, right? They're just they're just they um, they're just part. They could be part of any part of the spectrum, but they're fu- but radio waves typically <clears throat> have a frequency between about three kilohertz up to about three hundred gigahertz. Sometimes people talk about a wavelength, but for this pop. For the purpose of this conversation, frequency is a better description, right? So three kilohertz up to about about um, uh, three hundred gigahertz. Now, all you need to do to create a radio wave is you need electrons to slosh backwards, and this is true of any any electromagnetic wave. But for but but for 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 radio, you need electrons to slosh backwards and forwards at a frequent at that frequency, right? So 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 you know you can generate radio radio waves can be generated by what's called time-varying electric currents, right? So what that means is electrons flowing through a conductor which suddenly change their velocity and thus accelerate. And it's that acceleration at a defined frequency that gives rise to the the spitting out of a a photon. I guess, I mean, I would probably try and use the analogy that like, you know, if if you've got a long slinky or a rope or something 
and you wiggle it at one end with your hand, you can make a wave in that slinky or the rope that travels along it. People probably remember this yeah. from school. You wiggle it and then, like you know, like a rope, and you see a little a wave travelling away from you. Yeah. And I guess it's if you wiggle it, kind of, kind of like different agitations. You get waves of different sizes and different um, lengths and stuff like that. So you're imagining your hand is like the electrons moving. They kind of controlling yeah. the shape of the wave that travels along. Yeah. The- <clears throat> that's that's right. So the question then is, how do you make electrons slosh backwards and forwards at that defined frequency? And this is really this is the cool bit, right? This is what's really interesting. So, so, so again, if you remember back to school, one of the analogies that's quite often used to describe an electric circuit is is a water pipe system, right? And in that description, in that analogy, voltage is the, the pressure in the in the pipe, and current is the flow of water of the pipe, and, and yeah. power, if you want to think about it, is the total amount of water flowing in a given time. So, if you can measure, make, if you make the pipe really skinny and narrow. Uh, you know, uh, less water is going to come out. It's going to be higher pressure, and so therefore the voltage would be higher. Yeah. I used to equivalent. imagine it like the battery being a pump that pumps up like the water up to a high point, and then it flows down the circuit. Like, and waterfalls are like where there's a light bulb and things. Well, like actually, that. yeah, you should, you should, yeah, that's a that's a bit like a capacitor. That would be the analogy yeah, yeah. there. But that's kind of, but it's the right. same principle. Yeah. And if you make that, if you make your river like narrower it will flow more quickly and if you make it wider it will flow more slowly yeah yeah yeah, exactly right so how do you do that right so just about keeping in the back of your mind the water right so so the first example of a radio transmitter is called a uh, sorry a spark gap transmitter and this was developed by a bunch of people but the first kind of the first one that actually worked was developed by hendrik hertz hertz of the frequency fame the, the unit frequency. i've heard of that He's got a yeah, great yeah. car hire company as well. That I <laughs> such a such a talented uh, individual. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he invented this thing called a spark gap transmitter in the eight, in eighteen eighty seven, right? And and in as early as nineteen hundred, this technology had been commercialized, right? So think about that from the first demonstration of it through to like. You know, in fact, a spark gap transmitter was on the Titanic. It was how the t- the Titanic communicated. It was it was sinking. Right. Um, right. So, like, you know, think about, I don't know, 13 years. So 13 years from discovery through to commercial. So that's like, I don't know, what's 13 years ago? Like the iPad, right? You know, that's how short we've had it. You know, that's about 13 years ago to us, right? Yeah. To now. So the way it works is really cool. So you have, essentially, there's, you, have your, you have an electric circuit, and then you have a big transformer that transforms to really high voltage, right yeah so so you have some you have um so you know, your electric circuit is full of you know it has to have a battery in it they, they typically use a capacitor but or, but it doesn't have to be then you've got this thing which which then in your in your river analogy it has a really tiny bit so the water's flowing really fast yeah right and then what it does is it has a, it has a gap like which is physically a gap it's a two plates of metal with a bit of air in between them and you can imagine if the water flows fast enough over and that i suppose the analogy in your would be a little would be a little hole in the river but if it flows fast enough it could actually flow over that hole right yeah you know and so and so so what it does is and so that's exactly what happens so as the as the current as the as the voltage gets higher and higher at some point it then uh the electricity will jump across the insulator which is air becomes conducting at some at some voltage and you get this gap and you get a spark and when that duck when you get a spark what that essentially does is starts the electrons accelerating or decelerating right um if, if imagine now imagine this is one spark because you've stopped it or you've started it um and then what happens is um is, is that happens again and again and again and again as the current in the capacitor sorry as the voltage in the capacitor builds up 
So, so you have this big, 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 like a well of water, which is providing a constant flow of, of, of water. That's the capacitor. And every so often it just like gets an, it just popped, it, the, the pressure builds up enough that it just kind of like jumps over the gap. So it would be the equivalent of like a pressure release valve. Right. That's exactly what it is. Right. It's like, so you know, if you've got a little espresso machine, it has a little thing that, that, if it, that, that lets the pressure out. It's that bit. It's going and it's doing that 300, 3000 times a second. OK. So the rate at which it happens controls the waves or something that come out of it, the radio waves. Yeah. Yeah. So actually what's cool about it, though, is that the spark itself doesn't produce the radio waves. It merely serves as to, I suppose, to excite the resonant radio frequency oscillating currents in the attached circuit. So next to it, you have to have a big coil of wire, right? And the, 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 how much, how many, how much, how many coils you've got in that wire define the frequency of the system. So actually, all the all the spark gap is doing is pressure releasing, which is just starting and stopping the flow of electrons at a defined frequency. But actually, it's the whole thing. It's the all of the coil of wire which actually defines the frequency of the um of the circuit so actually it's like the whole river the, the size of the river determines the actual emission of it but you have to be able to start it and stop it in a defined manner right mm. um anyway so it's so what's really interesting you know and then obviously so what happens in terms of the development of radio frequencies this was initially described um, although it was kind of hypothesized for a long time before marconi and others um but by helm by um hertz um and um it was yeah developed uh into this you know in this in this um into a, this spark gap transmitter and that we used not as to transmit voices but just to transmit morse code dots and dashes so you can imagine now in, in my in my analogy in my little diagram i've got a capacitor i've got my spark gap transmitter and i've got my coil now you just put a little switch in that goes dee, 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 and then you can just either choose to start the start the current or stop the current. So yeah. actually, there's no real control over the actual. You know, you can't hear someone speaking, but you can hear yes and no, yes and no, yes and no. So hang on a minute. Just, All this stuff yeah. you've been saying about this thing, yeah, right, that makes sparks and induces a yeah, current. That's gap, just for Morse code. That's just for Morse code. Oh right, so it's just an on or off signal that produces some kind of broadband radio. That yeah, produces... that's defined but that's defined by the essentially the, the number of coils of the wire oh right so it just has to be at one frequency or whatever yeah and, exactly. okay right. Now, i mean it's not perfect right so, so actually, okay so it's i thought we were band. talking about like someone speaking so you hear no someone no no, speaking. no 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 this is even simpler before oh, then right, it's just right, right. Yes, so that's no. like this what you've been talking about is the most primitive yeah. kind of radio transmitter it just sent it sent a little little yes no just like i said i sent a little yes no when i hacked my doorbell uh, right, sat right. on the floor How you doing, Brian? I'm all right. How are you enjoying enjoying the heat up in Birmingham? You know, it was so hot. I it, bet it was so hot. Even the tadpoles were jumping out the canal. There was too much, oh, mate. Right. Oh, I bet. I bet. How did Marjorie take it? Oh, she was very hot. Yeah, just yeah. too hot for you. Did you have a to have a couple of pints of Banksies just to cool down? Always have a couple of Banksies. Yeah, lovely. Great in this hot weather. We never put them in the fridge, mind. Just have them on the side. 
Nah. You know what? In the, tes- the Tesco's around the corner for me sells Banks's and, and they're always in the fridge. Well, how do you feel about that? It's all right. You know, however you like yeah, it. You don't mind it? No, okay. I don't mind it. It's okay. great. It's not, like, it's not offensive to people from Wolverhampton. It ain't offensive, mate. No, but it was really bloody hot, man. God. The, the tarmac was melting down was the Manda Centre. It was bloody hot in there. There's no air conditioning. Couldn't get a drink anywhere either. Oh, did you have an ice cream to call off at least, Brian? Yeah, feast, mate. Nice. Is that, yeah. is that your ice cream of choice? It's the best feast? one, eh? You, <laughs> you can't go wrong with a feast. I mean, do you know what? Do you know what? My father enjoys a feast, I think. Yeah, good that, man. That so, good man. Yeah, Mr. Lee and Brian. I've got two your... moods. One of them's a feast, the other's a strawberry split, mate. Uh, okay, classic. You're very classicist when it comes to ice creams, then. You don't want to be mucking around with anything right. too complicated. I mean, that's exactly the mantra of our podcast, uh, yeah. Brian. We try not to muck around with anything too complicated. Oh. Anyway, that was great. I like that. I, I mean, I never heard about radio before. I only listened to Radio WM up here. Uh, I used to listen to Beacon back in the day. Bit of Beacon, Beacon. Radio. I don't know what that is. Oh, um, mate's local yeah, station, yeah. Well, I'm glad glad you liked it. If, if you like the, the science show, Brian, the thing to do is to kind of share it on social media and kind of uh, interact with us. Um, I'm uh, at Steve the Chemist on Twitter, um, and Nick is at the Evans Lab. Uh, and you can contact us directly at just um, at the Science Shed. Um, but until next time, Brian, I hope you have a nice summer. Oh. Uh, and we'll be we'll be back real soon. Brilliant. Looking forward to it, mate. See you later. I'm off down. I'm off. I'm off down the canal for a swim. Bye. Excellent. Okay, I'm going to stop my audio now. <laughs>